What up, what up, everybody? This is Ian Lenhart, a.k.a. Len Jones, letting you know that today is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And you know, I've been really fascinated about people that are kind of taking the spiritual journey into learning more about themselves. I feel like if you can become so comfortable by yourself, then you can become such a better person when you're with others. Today's episode really highlights someone that used that spiritual journey to propel them to do what they really love to do. And if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold. To educate aspiring entrepreneurs by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans, by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in life that are making moves, to meet my other friends in life that are making moves, to create one giant community of extraordinary people. Speaking of extraordinary people, episode 51 we have kate nelson on the podcast aka the plastic free mermaid kate is just so interesting i mean she's pioneering this entire movement with truly being plastic free i mean when you hear that something's coming to mind like maybe i'm going to use the paper straws maybe i'm going to not bring up the plastic bags to the grocery store but no she takes it to the next next level teaching workshops all around the world and she hasn't used plastic in 10 years in this episode kate talks about so many different details surrounding what the f is going on in today's society with the plastic problem aka global warming aka probably one of the biggest issues right now facing the earth i found it particularly interesting how she goes into detail about things that we think we're doing right but really we're doing completely wrong i mean she goes deep into it with you know, the symbols that companies are putting on products that make us think that things are recyclables, the level of detail with microplastics and how on average, the average person is consuming a credit card's worth of plastic just in microplastics a day, overcoming the feeling like, you know, I'm just one person, I can't really make a change. And so much more on the topic that's much bigger than plastic, global warming, climate change, spirituality. I am so excited for you guys to check out this podcast. This is going to be such a learning lesson. As always, all of our episodes are featured on YouTube. So like, comment, and share if you're feeling the good vibes. Without further ado, I need you to take a pen, paper. If you're on your morning commute, get ready because you go and learn today on how to live a plastic-free lifestyle. Welcome to episode 51 with Kate Nelson, aka the Plastic-Free Mermaid. We're live. Kate Nelson, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Living the dream. We're here with <laughs> the legendary plastic-free mermaid, the one and only. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so good to be here with you. When did you have that moment where you're like, you know what? I am the plastic-free mermaid. Um, wow, what a question. I... I, it's just been a really organic evolution. It hasn't really been like, it wasn't like I, I put a flag in the ground and declared it. Um, I, I've been a mermaid. I, I'm, the ocean is my playground. I surf, I sail, I free dive. And um, so I've, I've identified as a mermaid for a long time. I was like this avid water woman. Um, and I quit plastics um, 10 years ago. So I, I share my plastic free lifestyle and I'm a mermaid. So it's just... It's just very natural. <laughs> it's so cool that we have this medium of social media to be able to reach people all around the world and spread this yeah. message. And this message that you're spreading is really you're paving a path. And a lot of people want to help the environment. We know there's an issue. 
but most people just don't know what to do. We don't know what's the daily things. And you educate people so well on your channel at Plastic Free Mermaid on all of these things. So I would like to kind of get started and, and kind of understand you know, what has it been like creating this lifestyle? Because when we spoke in the, before, you mentioned you kind of are pioneering this thing. Yeah, I mean, I I quit plastics 10 years ago because I, I found out that they dump out of grade and that they're collecting in our oceans. And I was in college and, you know, drinking out of red solo cups and going to class with a smoothie and a plastic cup with a plastic lid and a plastic straw. And this is every day, you know, having a coffee with a plastic lid and a paper cup lined with plastic and having salads in plastic containers. So it was just so much. So to learn that this stuff, this material that we use on a constant daily basis um, and only use it for like 10 minutes, you know, that, that, that just gets thrown away and then exists where we leave it for thousands of years. It just felt so irresponsible. Um, so yeah, so, so I, I stopped using plastics and it just um, like sharing my lifestyle um, was, was quite natural. I mean, it was really more about like experimenting and trying to figure out what, what to use instead. So um, yeah, I suppose I, I appreciate you using the word pioneer. I, I definitely felt like it's been far less graceful as I've, as I've tried to figure out, you know, all these alternatives and had to say no to the smoothies and no to the coffees as I figured out, okay, like I can build a habit and bring my own cup and, and, you know, really kind of like struggling through, um, the challenges of trying to use less plastics and then yes, uh, sharing that journey and, and now more people are interested and engaged and have caught on. So it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be able to share this lifestyle. It's, it's people like you that inspire the normal person to, act, to make a change of this magnitude. My question for you is, what would you say to the person that thinks that they're just one person, you know, just one person I'm not going to impact the environment. What can I do? What's me just recycling going to do? What would you say to encourage that person to be part of the solution? Well, I'm just one person, you know, and I've, I've yeah. impacted um, millions of people through, through my work. So, um, and, and it's just been, you know, I haven't been forcing or pushing or being aggressive about my lifestyle. It's been, you know, I, I've tried to lead by example and, and inspire people to change. Um, and I think that's the power of the individual is, is before we point fingers and tell people you shouldn't do this and, and criticize them for their lifestyle and their choices. I think it's um, so much more powerful and sustainable. Like this change really takes root when we can um, lead by example and, and have this like positive, beautiful, uh, kind of like my, my uh, take on it is like this sparkly magical mermaid to make it appealing and interesting and engaging for, for others so they're like oh wow that's a beautiful cup and I'm like oh thank you I, I use this because I try um, to avoid single-use plastics because they're really bad for the environment and they're actually bad for my health as well so like make things a talking point you know I go to parties and I bring my own cup um BYOC BYOB bring your own bottle you know like there's so many so many ways to lighten our um footprint and it can be talking points and it can be you know or if you like be that friend in your friend group that brings people straws or brings people cups and be like hey um i'm not going to use plastics at this festival or party like i brought you a cup too in case you want to do that as well and, like make it easy for people we absolutely have have an impact like one person it's all that matters you know that's like one person starts a movement it ripples outward so 
we're so powerful as, as human beings. And it's just remembering that. It's just remembering how powerful we are and how every um, purchase matters. It's a, like voting with our dollar, what we're supporting. So, you know, and, and if you've seen that, have you seen that uh, video on YouTube with the turtle with the straw stuck up its nose? It's terrible. Oh, terrible. Yeah, that's a tough one to watch. <laughs> but if that, you know, one person who's ever straw that was, made a big difference it's interesting music. it's interesting because of the microplastics too i mean there's the plastics we can see but there's also all these microplastics littering even the deepest areas of the ocean that i believe i read a stat saying that the average human is actually consuming a certain level of plastics every single day because you know it's in all it's can't avoid it a credit card's worth of plastic every week is the amount that we consume. Um, and, and you're right, like this is a whole rabbit hole. So um, feel free to uh, keep me out of this at any point, but because um, I could talk about this stuff for hours. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, microplastics are just one of the threats that we can't see from plastics. So, um, and actually microplastics we, we can see because those are about the size of a um, sesame seed and, and, and then they can get smaller. And then it's the nanoplastics that we can't see. Um, and those are the real worry for sure, like the microfibers that, that shed from our clothing, which is why we should wear natural fibers um, or wash our clothing in like the backyard to um, uh, kind of like catch all of the microfibers. I digress. Um, but then there's also the, <laughs> there's a lot here. Uh, and then there's also the chemicals that we're exposed to. So um, plastics, the physical part is which you mentioned. Um, if you imagine like a block of styrofoam and you're kind of like rubbing it and you, you can imagine like the flakes of styrofoam that would flake off, that's similar to what's happening anytime you crinkle plastic packaging or take a plastic lid on and off. It's that friction that's then um, like flaking off these microplastics, these nanoplastics that we can't see. So that's how these particles are being released into the air, into the dust, into our water, into our food, into our drink, into our face products, all these things. So we're exposed to all these particles of plastics, but then also the, the plastics leach chemicals. So they're not these like really secure, stable um, substances. They leach in multiple instances. Do you want me to go into that or do you want to get, I want you to go into that. Okay. <laughs> Great. I want to go into it too. <laughs> okay. So plastics leach in three, um, circumstances. So heat duration and fat. So if you have, let's have the example of like, um, a plastic cup. So instead of bringing your own cup ceramic, that's very safe and healthy and good for the environment. Say you get a um, takeaway cup from the cafe, like a, a paper cup that's lined with plastic, because if your paper cup wasn't lined with plastic, what happens when paper gets wet? It's soggy. Mm -hmm. it you know, so like any paper cup, if it's not leaking and it's full of liquid, is lined with plastic. Just wow. Remember Man. that. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, and if you put a hot liquid into a plastic cup or if you put hot soup into a plastic container or your takeaway food is in a plastic container the plastic is going to be attracted to that heat so it's going to leach from the container or from the cup into your coffee or into your like pad thai or whatever it is that you're or your tupperware if you're putting it into the microwave and you're microwaving your food in a plastic container or bowl or whatever in the microwave heats up the chemicals in the plastic container leach into your food okay second 
instance for the chemicals to leach, duration. So if something's like sitting on the shelf for like three months or a year, whether it's your um, like face cream that's stored in a little plastic tub or it's your Tetra Pak, your like shelf stable milk that's like stored in a cardboard that box that's lined with plastic. Um, chips, whatever. If it's sitting there for a while, it's more likely for these chemicals to leach from the container into the substance. Uh, third one, fat. So these chemicals in plastic containers are lipophilic, so they're actually attracted to fat. So back to the coffee example, if you get a latte and now your coffee is full of um, like milk, some kind of milk, nut milk or whatever, cow milk, um, the plastic is going to be attracted to the beverage because of the fat content as well. Um, same as like your takeaway, if it's like this greasy, delicious pad thai or something and it's in one of those like plastic takeaway containers, it's attracted to the grease. Um, again, the Tetra Pak, the shelf stable milk example, that's right. storing fat, so it's attracted. So all these chemicals leach into the thing. Um, same as like face products, any butters or oils, same thing. And what these chemicals do is they mimic estrogen in the body. So when we drink our coffee or eat the pad thai or the milk or put the face product on our skin that's been stored in plastic, these chemicals then enter our bloodstream either through our digestive tract or through our skin. Um, and they circulate throughout our body and they tell our body, estrogen, 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 which is a hormone. So it's disrupting our endocrine system. And the message that a ton of estrogen sends to our body, regardless of our gender, is to gain weight, for our chest to grow, so men experience like increased breast size. Um, it it uh, disrupts, yeah, mm -hmm. I know, man, man boobs. Man boobs, there it man is. Man boobs, <laughs> classic causes man boobs, it's proven. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it is proven. When it you is. say it's proven, there's scientifically, there's studies there is, that show all There is that. science. Amazing. There is science. Look it up. Gynomastia or something. Um, so, uh, okay, it also disrupts our mood cycles, which leads to depression. So, like this disrupt in like all your moods are all over the place. Um, in, I mean, it, this I can go on and on with all of these, but basically, it really disrupts the reproductive system. This leads to infertility. It leads to reduced sperm count in men. Um, in women, it there's a whole range of of reproductive issues. The main one, as I said, is infertility. Um, so it's a really sensitive subject as well, especially these days when people have been exposed to plastics for so long and they're struggling to get pregnant. Um, and there's uh, also, I mean, when children are exposed, children are always the most susceptible to this sort of like chemical toxic um, exposure. It leads to ADHD, it leads to child obesity, um, I, I mean, it, it also promotes over like cell growth. If you can, if you can imagine, like it's causing us to gain weight and fat to grow. Um, it's causing like cell growth in general, which can lead to cancer, um, heart disease. I mean, just so many horrible um, diseases and results from these these chemicals, these toxic chemicals entering our bodies. It's interesting because there's so much negatives that you just mentioned there, and it makes sense. <laughs> Everything you just mentioned, I can conceivably understand what you're talking about would you say the guy that created plastic the first person who ever created plastic almost you know had good intentions but it just sure. spiraled out of control like most good things oh yeah i mean it's like any technology it's not like the technology or the plastic is inherently bad or negative or evil it's our use of it 
It's our, it's our manipulation of this technology or our lack of foresight. It's our, it's our lack of um, truly assessing the impact or the consequences of mass use of this material like it was it was first really adopted in, during world war ii when sword, soldiers were off at war and they needed this like highly durable lightweight weather resistant material for um helmets and and various you know i don't know applications at war it was really handy and then the women back home were in the workforce they were they had to enter the workforce but also raise the family and clean the house and all these things and so they were like you know, great, let's use plastic here as well. So they made TV dinners and they made plastic cups and plates and silver, silverware so you didn't have to do the dishes. It was like easy, like microwave the dinner, put it on the table, sweep it all off into the trash, like easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was like at that point, it was like, oh my gosh, this is like, what a luxury to be able to just throw all this stuff away. And it became this sort of like status symbol to just be like, oh, I can just throw it away. So like it was good intentioned, but we didn't think, where's all this stuff gonna go? And actually the plastics industry is responsible for creating the recycling system, which has never worked, let <laughs> me just say, but they're responsible for creating that because they were like, oh, we don't want people to feel guilty about throwing all this stuff away. Let's create this magical recycling bin to make people feel better about putting their plastics in it. <laughs> the, the placebo recycling bin, is there a, yeah. Is there technology today that is capable, we're talking the best of the best of the technology, that is capable of completely dissolving and minimizing the effects of plastic? Um, okay, I'm not really sure what you mean. There, I mean, there is technology available. Can I, to, can I take a Tupperware and throw it into a machine and it shoots out something that's completely environmentally friendly? <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Okay. Let me, let me, ba let's back up. Recycling. The reason I say recycling is like this magical box is because in theory, everything is recyclable, you know, like, mm -hmm. like all plastic is recyclable. That's why it's got stamped with like the various little like recycling symbols on the bottom. And everyone's like, Ooh, this is recyclable. Great. Let great me marketing. Yeah. Let me put it in the bin. And like all these manufacturers are able to like put the recycling stamp on all their stuff to be like, it's recyclable and then everyone feels good because they buy a thing that's recyclable tetra packs full of recycling signs you know do you know what i'm talking about when i say tetra packs like the almond milk or the soy milk the box that they come in now i do yeah with the plastic lid okay um, or coconut waters a lot of those come up in the same thing so that's a multi-material product or multi-resource product so it's got plastics it's like the shiny outside layer and then cardboard which makes it looks eco because it's like oh it's a cardboard box but it's plastic first then cardboard then like alfoil aluminum um like a little bit of metal and then more plastic <laughs> so it's like all slammed together so no one's gonna take that apart like there's no one that's sitting at the recycling center like yay peeling the plastic back and then the cardboard and then the out it's like full of like old soy milk like it's rotten and gross so those things are really hard to recycle. So even though they say they are recyclable, it's not economically efficient enough to actually separate those materials. And they're never gonna make something of equal value. Um, same with plastics. Say you have like a plastic bottle, like a water bottle, and you throw it in the recycling bin. Technically, if we had like a proper recycling system or better communications around what is actually recyclable in every area, it might work. However, you're not just putting your like pure plastic bottles in this bin. You're also putting your like 
oily pizza boxes and like last night's takeout containers that you think might be recyclable. You don't know, but you're like, yeah, put it in yeah. there. You know, it's like you're putting your, your metal cans that might still have coconut cream in there or like some remnants of beans or whatever, like all this crap or like your wine bottles, but the lid's not totally on or whatever that's going in the recycling bin. All that crap, that food crap is like contaminating all the other materials, making it dirty. And that's why China stopped accepting our recyclables last year. So this is where everything, the shit hit the fan in terms of our global waste market. Because we used to just be like, yay, we recycle, send it away, send it out. We weren't recycling anything domestically. Like maybe some glass and metal. Those are like pretty easy to recycle, but like plastics, no way. We, the states, like Western countries, don't want any hand in that dirty, messy business of plastics. So we sent it to China until China was like, your plastics are so dirty. We, they were actually having to landfill most of the plastics they received from us. So they just had to be like, no more stuff. So yes, there is technology that could recycle plastics, and potentially make it into something of equal value. However, our plastics are so freaking contaminated that it's, it costs way too much to clean them and then actually get them to become something of equal value. So they're always down cycle. So they're too contaminated because they're all bajillion different kinds of plastics so no one's sorting them out. And so they get down cycled to something of lesser value. So like, some of the things that are being manufactured are like park benches or like building materials or like carpets maybe, but they still require a lot of the time virgin plastics to make them truly strong and durable to bind it all together. Virgin plastics. Yeah. So are those, if we had a world of virgin <laughs> plastics and I, I, I feel terrible, I have a plastic water bottle. Ah, here. What are you doing? Oh, if, I'm allergic across the screen. I'm gonna have a if we had a plastic bottle of virgin plastic, this thing would have, would be totally Gucci and I could recycle it and be completely okay. No, no. Virgin plastics is all plastics. Like your plastic water bottle is virgin plastics. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is create a market for, like what would be great is if we could create a market for recycled plastics. So even though I'm like anti-plastic and I don't want any bar of it, I still have to use it, right? Like so much of the technology, I try to buy used everything where I can. I've tried to buy used technology. Um, but if I can't find something like a lot of swimwear is made with, um, with stretch because natural fibers stretch out, but they don't always stretch back. Um, so I try to support recycled plastic swimwear and activewear. Um, and this is important because we're creating a market, we're creating a demand for recycled plastics so that there's actually um, some value in recycling your plastic bottle. Um, that currently is made out of virgin plastics. So they're extracting fossil fuels like ancient dinosaurs, um, pulling it out as in the form of oil and then manipulating, manipulating it chemically to be this hard plastic. Um, and, but hold up the bottle again. So the, the paper label is a different material and it has glue on it and the lid is a different material. So if you threw that whole thing into the, into the bin, even though the plastic bottle is actually like a really highly recyclable PET, number one, um, that is a really highly recyclable yeah, material because it has the label and the lid. Um, it probably wouldn't get recycled because it's too, no, no one wants to take the lid off and take the label off. So like we need way more information and education around what's recyclable because 
people don't have any idea. So they just throw that whole thing and they feel good about themselves. Right. But really, it's not going to go anywhere. And the other hectic thing is that every single district or town or region has totally different recycling laws because it's not like one company is managing the recycling for the world. Every single different city has to hire. So like the government has to hire a private company who's going to drive around and collect our bins and bring them, bring them to their site where they're either going to landfill all the trash or they're going to recycle and they go through all the recycling. They literally dump it and then put it on a conveyor belt. And there's a few humans and there's a few lasers and like optical sensors that are like, and, and uh, magnets that are grabbing the metal and different things, sorting the glass and the plastic. So, and then they bail it all together re like resources and they try to sell it on the global waste market. And if they can't sell it, they don't want it. So they change the recycling and then your city is responsible for communicating that to the citizens and no one knows what's recyclable and what's not. Mm -hmm. And now that China doesn't take our plastics, they're even more strict about what they won't accept, but nobody knows it. So they just yep. keep throwing all their stuff in the bin and thinking it's this magical system that's working for them. So when China stopped accepting it, I'm, I'm assuming we're taking these massive ships, shipping it, hopefully none of it's spilling straight into the ocean that way. And then when it gets there and they say we can't take it, do these ships just come back and then go into landfills? Yeah. Pretty much. It's been like mass chaos and panic, and yet most people haven't heard about it. Um, people are switching on more to it now. I think the straw bans have been good about building people's awareness, and as well as the Ocean Cleanup Project, mm. um, which is really good. It's, it's helped people kind of like, it's helped plastics break through onto the global consciousness, which is important. Um, but yeah, I, I, we tried to send all of our stuff to, to China. China said no, so now it's, a lot of it's going to landfill. Um, also, we tried to push it off to other countries like in Southeast Asia. So Malaysia was taking it at first and then they were like, wait, we don't have the infrastructure to deal with all this crap. Like we can't take it either. Um, India has now said no. So a lot of these countries where we were literally just trying to dump our trash, like this contaminated plastic that is not cost efficient to make into anything useful, trying to dump it in these countries that can barely manage their own waste. Like it's, it's really a, a social justice issue when it comes down to it. Yes, environmental, but what about these people, these humans that are gonna have to live in our Western waste? It's disgusting. Well, it's interesting because with that much focus and that big of a problem, you'd think it'd be a multi-billion dollar industry to solve such a crisis. So yeah, we had There's a, a lot of opportunity. Absolutely. I, I big shout out to Daniela Fernandez. She was on the podcast. Uh, she started the Sustainable Ocean Alliance, which is a venture fund that mm -hmm. particularly funds only companies that are developing products or solutions to help the environment. You know, I think there's going to be a much bigger change that way because if people, it's funny because I brought this water bottle specifically for this, this uh, <laughs> time with you because, you know, I could drink this water bottle, throw it in the blue bin feel really mm -hmm. good, throw it in the blue bin out there. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Yep. But truthfully, that's not the case. And first of all, I got to say your energy and enthusiasm, incredible. Okay. I need <laughs> to tell you that like, whoo, like whatever you're drinking, keep, keep that up. But my, <laughs> something that's so captivating about your story and about your lifestyle and all that is you'll see sometimes you'll, you'll post a story on Instagram and you'll go dumpster diving you'll go into a dumpster or a trash can and you'll just start pulling out piece of piece of piece and you're looking at it and you're like yo what is this girl doing she's just taking out trash and you go the next level where you look at every piece and say is this recyclable is this not 
And then you even go one more step and you, I think you compose it yourself. You bury it and see if it's actually recyclable. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's where, that's me. I perform waste audits publicly on my Instagram for companies or whomever wants it. Um, and it's really fun. It's a really cool way to um, assess the trash that, that you're creating or that a business is creating. Um, and it's, it's fun for me. It's dirty, but it's fun because it's really interesting. And then to go through it all. So I go through the trash cans and the recycling. And I also tell like all the departments of the business to hold onto their trash and we go through it together to find, um, solutions or ways around all this trash that's being created that we're sending off away off site, putting responsibility for the things that we've created into someone else's hands, which feels so bizarre to me. Like it feels so irresponsible to be like, here, I created all this waste, but like you deal with it. And then me feel better about that. That doesn't really add up for me ethically. Um, so yeah, I'll go through the waste and figure out, okay, like what, you know, there's all these like I'm big on busting greenwashing because there's all the myths going around around things that are like eco, but then you actually look and you're like, this is just plastic. How did you get away with marketing this as eco? Um, greenwashing. So I, That's yeah, amazing. Oh my gosh. It's huge, huge thing. Yeah. Keep your, keep your eyes peeled. Got to stay savvy. It's out there. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so even going through their trash, um, I found a lot of like eco bags. So like bags that say like compostable or biodegradable. And I was like, hmm, let's test that. Because the funny thing about bioplastics and like plant-based and compostable and biodegradable plastics or things that say that is that sure, they may break down, but they require such sophisticated um, conditions to fully break down back into like dirt. Uh, that, that it's very rare that these conditions exist. So they require like these commercial grade composting facilities that are like huge, highly regulating the, um, the oxygen, the microbes, the temperature, they're turning it to aerate it. They're wow. it. Yeah, sophisticated, intense, don't exist. Like, so it's almost rare. like the pharmaceutical industry when they say that this study works, you know, against a 50% of the time in a placebo test, et cetera. They're creating this mimic solution where, yes, this is recyclable, but you need a, you know, the yeah. perf you need to be on the top of Mount Everest with a, you know, totally. <laughs> perfect yeah. conditions. Interesting. With alien blood and like a wizard's wand, you know, it's like, it's just the conditions don't align. So yeah. that's, that's my, that's my feeling about recycling and my feeling about all this like greenwashing, like fake solutions that, that, that are bioplastics and compostable things, um, because it's just so rare that they actually break down. So we have a pretty sophisticated compost, um, at the farm where I'm currently living and, so I'm testing a lot of these green bags that we found in the bin to see if they really are compostable. Um, so it's fun. It's kind of like fun to get hands on and share, um, share that experience of experimenting with these materials because I think I'm super visual. So I like to use my Instagram and my YouTube and those sorts of channels to bring people along for that experience and be like, look what we found, you know, like all these compostable bags, like let's really put them to the test. And I call out companies all the time and you know, it's important. We have to, we have to hold each other accountable to these, to these claims that we're making. And if it's false, we'll, that's not fair. It's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it seems like the whole infrastructure is effed up, you know, to solve yeah. this problem, we need yeah. to solve it from the top. Do you think, you know, I recently saw Bernie Sanders on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he was talking about one of the largest major issues that world powers are facing is climate change. Yeah. 
do you think and yet they deny it <laughs> interesting it's very interesting do you think that you know, governments in general are taking the overuse of plastic serious um no i think i mean this is this is uh, a tricky one because um many i mean i think we're seeing like a very interesting um shift in our politics and a lot of right-wing uh governments are are rising up and it's really interesting and i think that there can be a lot of um, sensitivity around this especially um felt by the youth who are studying science and in, in school they're learning about the climate emergency and and um the melting of the ice caps and the forests on fire and the increased natural disasters and it feels really urgent to them and it feels really scary and we're seeing you know 50 percent of fourth graders enrolling in therapy to deal with their their panic around the climate changing. And then we see our, our politicians denying that there's any problem with the climate. Um, so it's really a, a head trip for our youth. And, I'm, and, I, and I really want to express like sincere um, empathy or compassion for the youth and also let them know uh, that, you know, we've got them and we understand and we support them and that we're working for these solutions. Um, and I think that that's where there's a bit of a shift in terms of our power dynamic, because I think it used to be top down, you know, we used to say, like you said, like, do we have to, yeah, we need full system redesign. We need full infrastructure change. Like this is no longer working. The industrial era of just like extracting oil and burning it is no longer working, extracting oil and making like single use plastics. That doesn't work. We've polluted our planet to the brink. Like it's saturated with carbon. The atmosphere is tapped, you know, like our planet is literally cooking. Like we can't do it anymore. So that no longer works. And so top down, I think there's been a little bit of a, um, uh, a crumbling, it's beginning to crumble. And we're seeing that in our communication technology because power is no longer vertical. It's coming to be more horizontal or lateral so that you're more powerful, the more connected you are, the more network you have. And this is what's so beautiful and inspiring and why I think youth are so, um, you know, they should feel empowered because they're they're at an advantage with their, their ability to, to use technology. Again, it's the same as plastics, right? It's not the technology that's bad, it's the way we use it. Mm -hmm. So if we can, you know, yeah, our governments are using media to push fear and to um, freak us out. And like our current president just ran a campaign with plastic straws to raise money for his campaign next year, just blatantly um, dissing liberal paper straws because they get soggy and don't work. I mean, this is just like, it's ridiculous. So instead of empowering that media by reacting to it, we should be empowered by the by the way that we can use technology and media to connect and spread solutions and support each other because the more that we connect and spread solutions and like daniela's um uh efforts and like your efforts to amplify these solutions you know we're all doing the thing like this is the system redesign that we, we crave and we're after because it's not going to happen from our government like yeah amazing if we got a democrat in, in office that was going to push for for climate um policy you know and and adjust our plastics usage. But the, the truth is like big oil still is quite powerful. So how mm. do we do it? We as individuals matter, like our buying, buying power, we're consumers. Like we withhold our dollars. We don't buy plastics. We don't, we know, we don't spend money on, on um, businesses and companies that are out of alignment with our ethics. Like we really need to be hardcore about this right now for a certain period until 
we've made the change. And then we can relax and enjoy and party, you know, be happy in our beautiful magical planet <laughs> that right. we've saved. Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, there's so many people around the world that their lifestyles rely on everyday, say, fishing or, or for whatever it is. And, you know, we get so angry when people kill sharks, for example, but there's some places in the world that if they don't kill a shark, their family dies. And it's like finding this diet, some sort of equilibrium where we can have enough sharks to be able to keep everyone happy. It's just so interesting. I mean, is there a certain country that you think is a very good kind of icon that if everyone did what they did, that we would be on a better path? Um, Or any initiatives you've seen from a government that have really blown your, blown your mind? Um, I don't know. I, I think that it's hard for me to um, really get behind any government action because I've been so disappointed by the government, like the policy change that I've been a part of and like that I've written on. Like I worked on the policy to ban plastic bags in California. Um, and it was so cool to work on that. That was like seven or eight years ago. Um, and it was amazing when that got passed. And we first we passed it in Santa Barbara and LA and all these other little counties and then the state passed it. But then they rolled out thicker reusable plastic bags. Um, so it was really frustrating. And so I, I, yes, I think writing our government and signing petitions and calling government officials is really important. Um, but I, I really like to focus on empowering the individual to make change because I think, again, we don't want to pass off responsibility to our government, our elected officials, because that system doesn't feel super working for us right now. Um, I feel like I want to you know, I, I see the Greta Thunbergs and like the individuals standing up for a planet. And I say, yeah, make sure before you like even put pressure or point the finger on our government officials, turn the finger. Around. What is it like they say, like every every finger pointing away has three fingers pointing back at you. So it's like before we ever judge anyone else, even Donald Trump or whoever, like before we judge anyone else, let's make sure that we personally are living like really conscious, aware lifestyle because it's not it just feels hypocritical to say you drive, you know, like you're using all this plastic. Well, I still drive a car that burns fossil fuels. You know, like it's really important to me to be super transparent and be like, I have to use plastic headphones. Like there's, I don't, I don't have like a wooden set yet. You right. know, it's yeah. like, there's an opportunity there. And if someone was making wooden headphones, I would interview them on my podcast and I would like promote them on my Instagram. Cause I'm like, people buy this, support this solution. Hell yeah. Right. But like in terms of like a government, I mean, it's hard to, it, like, for example, I think, um, you know, Bali just banned plastics and it's like, I'm going to go there and figure out like, did they really, where is it going? You know, what, what, are, what are they replacing it with? So it's, it's one thing to have a headline like California bans the bag, but what does that really look like? What does that mean for the local businesses? Who is that putting out of business? What's the economic impact? You know, is it just replacing it with another single use item that's going to be worse for the environment? You know, is it, are they replacing it with paper bags that's then cutting down rainforests? You know, so everything we do has an impact and a consequence. And I think it's less about being like, wow, we should all do what this country does, you know, and, and more being like, what can I do? What's my impact? I like what you mentioned because you said that a lot of times when you see people that are posting and yelling and saying, don't do this, don't do that. And it's just making a lot of noise on the internet. You almost just, just like a Fugazi, a Fugazi. It's like not even real. It doesn't really move you to action. But then you see someone like yourself who's doing the damn thing. 
I mean, you inspire me to make conscious changes because I'm like, yo, if she can do it, I can do it. And I like what you said that people aren't talking the talk. We still use plastic every single day. We use plastic in like, there's some things we can't get away, whether it be a car, whether it be, you know, even reducing pregnancies with condoms without plastic, it would be a- Use condoms. The yeah. only single use plastic I endorse. Use condoms. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's so many of these things, but I think that the two, the two largest things that have come to the biggest attention amongst the average consumer is number one at our grocery stores, right? Grocery stores are saying, don't reuse your, your plastic bag and then the plastic straws. What do you think are the largest plastic leaks in the system every single day that maybe constitute the largest? And I'm talking about in my normal lifestyle, when I wake up, I, I drink my coffee, I go grocery shopping, I drive to work, you know, I go whatever, I go to a restaurant. What aspect are we just blowing it the hardest? <laughs> So if you're talking about like your individual average Westerner and their daily life, um, I find that food packaging is the biggest contributor. So whenever I, you know, I, I teach how to quit plastics, what the phasing is, like how do you phase it out? Um, and the hardest part is food. Like everybody is um, going to the supermarket and they're like, oh my gosh, what can I even buy? I can't buy my frozen berries. I can't buy crackers. I can't buy hummus. I can't buy yogurt. I can't buy milk. I can't, you know, all these things are like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, and so, and like you go out, you get your coffee, it's in a takeaway cup or you forgot you haven't built the habit yet. Cause you, so you don't have a cup. So you're like, I can't even have a coffee. You can't get like a sample of ice cream. You can't get a smoothie. You can't get a salad. You can't get nachos. Like all these things that feel like I can't, I can't, I can't. However, what I teach is reframing that. So instead of it feeling like sacrifice and a challenge and hard and like, I'm so deprived, like that's not sustainable. You're not going to be like, this is fun. I'm killing it. Oh, instead it's like okay if you forget your cup you go without and or maybe you sit down at the ca cafe and, and use the cup that they have for here and like slow down a bit like why are you so busy you know it's like if you are shopping at a supermarket and everything you buy is packaged in plastic maybe you need to reassess the kind of food you're feeding your body most things that are packaged in plastic are processed our body has a harder time breaking down those, those substances that are processed. It's full of all these weird chemicals that are further and further away from a whole food that our body recognizes like fresh fruits or fresh vegetables um, or leg legumes or whatever, nuts, seeds. Mm. So the more packaged the food is, the, the more um, separation we have from our food or from nature. So the more separation we have from like the pure natural thing that's going to give us vibrancy and give us energy and like fuel our body and nourish our body. Like that's what we're after when we're feeding ourselves and when we're shopping, we want something that's going to like give us energy and like make us healthy and vital and shiny, you know, but instead we're buying all these chips and ice cream and blah, 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 what all the, like all these packaged stuff, yogurt, hummus. Yeah. Maybe started off as chickpeas, the hummus, but then it's added all these preservatives and then it's packaged in plastic. So like what's leaching, you know? So it's like, we we're buying all these things that aren't necessarily the best choice for us anyways. It's just the most convenient and it's cheapest. And I it's mean, packaged and there's marketing words like natural. <laughs> so it's almost like there's not an alternative as in terms of the materials that companies can use to package all of these frozen dinners. You know, plastic is so available. It's, yeah. So, yeah, it's so cheap. It's no, you know, Virgin if I want to become an entrepreneur right now and I want to go build a product, I'm thinking plastic. I mean, what's the other alternative? 
glass, yeah. right? What else? Yeah. Is- well, I mean, even metal cans are lined with plastic. So it's tricky, you know, it's, it's hard to do it right. And it, we're, we, you know, I always say like, I don't, I don't want to freak anyone out. We're all, we always, we can all only be responsible for ourselves and we should all just do the best we can with the options we have available. Not everyone has access to farmer's markets. Not everyone has access to bulk foods, you know, so we just have to do our best with what we can. And maybe putting plastics isn't even in, like, is not even an option. You know, you might, maybe you can just like walk more, ride your bike. Maybe there's other ways you can reduce your footprint that don't involve plastics. And that's super valid, you know? So like it's, there's many ways to, to, um, I used to say reduce your impact, but I feel like making these choices actually increases your impact in a positive way. Um, so it's like impact accountability, but you're right. Like there's definitely opportunities for, um, replacements, different materials than plastics. It's super, it's something I'm really interested in and I really love it. Um, whole other conversation, um, just like ex- exploring right. all of those options. Um, but the, my point is that it's less about finding a material to replace plastics because we've seen how even that has consequences with the bioplastics, these cornstarch cutlery that if you know anything about corn agriculture, like it's a monocrop that kills the soil, like miles and miles and miles of corn sprayed with pesticides, glyphosate, Roundup, which causes cancer. And these, these corn, the corn crops are genetically modified to resist the glyphosate. So everything else dies, but the corn. So all the soil, all the microbiology in the soil, all the like um, bacteria and fungi and little you know, microbes dies. And so it's just the corn and the corn then absorbs, like it doesn't die, but it still absorbs that chemical, which we then eat and is causes cancer and all these diseases. And the soil instead, because they can't get any nutrients from the soil, they have to spread synthetic fertilizers on the soil to feed the corn. So the corn is actually fed from synthetic plastic petroleum-based fertilizers. It's so crazy. And then we make all these like bioplastics, high fructose corn syrups, corn just in everything. It's so bad. So like all these processed things are just full of all these crazy cancer causing fillers. So anything packaged in plastic, I just, I, I'm so grateful that I've made this choice to avoid those things because I know that it's not good for my body. It's not good for the planet, but if it has ingredients or a label, it's, it's probably full of stuff that, that my body doesn't recognize. I think that's a big trend right now is people are getting they're they're done with high fructose corn syrup. I think yeah. everyone pretty much agrees that high fructose corn syrup is terrible for us. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see these brands, you and you see Heinz is a, is a, you think of tomato, you know, because they're like the number one. They I think they have a monopoly on ketchup. I mean, you never see other brands, but mm-hmm. now they have big tubs of no high fructose corn syrup. But then when you look in the back, it's like oh, a lot of those ingredients are very similar. You don't yeah. know what to look after though. I mean, I was reading, uh, I think it was brain. Me- how not to die was one book Mm -hmm. brain makers was another one and they were talking about the actual ingredients you have to avoid when looking at food and the only way to know is to look at behind the food that's the one thing we got to be thankful for our food system people do have to say what the ingredients are at the back of those foods and if they were more educated on that i think they'd be able to make more better choices However, you don't have to put labels or list ingredients on a lot of cleaning products. So we're ha- like cleaning our houses with fully toxic chemicals that are really bad for us. You don't have to label a lot of cosmetics. So we don't know what is in our mascara and all these things that we're putting on our faces on a daily basis. Like there's a lot and there's a lot of um, ke- ingredients and chemicals that are banned in Europe and Asia that are fully legal in the States. It's really crazy. We're very um, 
we're very lax about the sorts of things that are allowed into products. Uh, so I, I, again, another, yes, read labels. Yes. If you don't understand, you know, the majority of the ingredients, your body probably won't understand and process them. Yeah, I feel like we need to funnel as much money as humanly possible into solutions to find ways to degrade the, the plastic because, I mean, consumerism isn't going to stop the usage, right? It's going right. to continue to grow. I mean, we just need to figure out ways to deal with it and contain it. I guess the same concept of dealing with the carbon. So yeah. you're very interesting in the fact that when I meant you're pioneering this industry, you actually teach workshops online, offline, all around the world, teaching yeah. people how to live this lifestyle and, and things they can do. Uh, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but what are kind of the, the key one to five things that you tell people, look, these are the three, like the buckets that you can start today. I know yeah. you touched on some, like, you know, yeah. avoiding plastic food and stuff like that. But what are those three or five things that if everyone just did what these three things, everything would be way better off? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the starting point is always to avoid the top four. So this is what I quit 10 years ago. I started with these four and it was straws, which a lot of people aren't using at all these days, which is awesome. Plastic bottles. So start to bring your own bottle. Like it's a habit that you have to form. You know, you just like start to build that contextual cue when you grab your keys and you get your like gym bag or whatever and put it in your car, put the bottle in. Um, and if you don't have your bottle, don't just buy a plastic one, like suffer. Like you have to build the habit by really sticking to it, committing to it. And remember like the plastic doesn't biodegrade for a thousand years. So like bring your bottle so you can drink. Um, the fourth is, um, bags so plastic bags so like just never use a plastic bag you don't need to you can get creative if you don't have a reusable bag which you should because they're everywhere like people just give those up for free these days but if you don't if you just happen to accidentally go grocery shopping without planning go look around the grocery store and find a cardboard box like all the food gets shipped to the store in cardboard boxes and then a lot of times they use those boxes during the like for the displays of food so like go to the chip section and get a doritos box whatever take your grocery store in that box you can like balance it on your head carry it whatever it's fine so get creative use your shirt for a bag you know like you don't need to use plastic it doesn't biodegrade it's get it out of your life um and then the fourth one is funny because it's i originally would call it like food packaging like i i meant like um like the smoothie cups and um uh and coffee cups and um but then that started kind of like ever expanding outward right so i think the fourth one so we've got straws bags bottles and then cups if that works for you so bring your own cup to events just put it in your bag let it be a talking point to like show off how eco you are and how much you know about saving the planet um <laughs> bring it for your coffee you know all these things for your smoothie i like to just carry a jar around so this is like a really handy way to just tick all those boxes is if you carry a mason jar around like a large mason jar you can put your water in that you can put a coffee in that you can put a smoothie in that if you like get a salad you can put your salad your lunch in that you just clean it and then you can use it for water you know so that's a really good solution um, to tick a lot of those boxes because the fourth one the food packaging whether that's coffee cups or smoothie cups or salad boxes or your like pre-packed veggies or salad in a container you know like this can really expand outward so that'll be like your launch pad where you just kind of choose one thing maybe it's coffee cups that you're going to focus on but then let it expand outward. So that's kind of like a starting point in terms of quitting plastics. If you want to really assess the amount of plastics that you're using, 
do a waste audit. So hold on to all your trash that you create for a week that you usually would put in the recycling bin or that you would put in the trash bin, like everything, like hold on to sauce packets, hold on to straws, hold on to like drink stirs, hold on to ketchup packets, like whatever, things that like you'd usually throw away or like, you know, festival wristbands, airline tickets, receipts. Receipts are coated in plastic, don't touch them, they're bad. <laughs> um, so you save all this stuff and then you go through it at the end of the week and you're like, okay, like got it, it helps you identify um, the sources of your trash so then you can uh, change the sources again it's like what kind of what we were talking about we need to redesign the system well we, a lot of times we need to redesign our personal system first before we really know where we need to focus in if you see that there's lots of like food packaging you know if there's lots of like takeaway food or like sauce packets like tons of sauce packets it's like oh maybe I should just get a sauce bottle sauce bottle and like carry it around with me or, you know figure out the solutions based on the sources that you've identified in your waste audit it's very interesting because it's like a lot of people we have shopping issues and our financial issues and we're like where did all the money go and then yeah. once you start keeping a budget like that's what I do now every single day I have this excel spreadsheet that I you know I was using mint before but you know I still didn't feel like it was my thing so now I created this budget where I have to see every penny that leaves my account and you're blown away so you're taking that same yeah. ideology applying it to the plastic waste doing a waste audit which I've never heard before which is brilliant and seeing hashtag how much waste audit. Hashtag waste audit. Yeah, you got it. And hashtag, hashtag trash jar as well. So that's the jar. I, so I keep all of my trash. Like I don't, my week of trash is like nothing. So like I keep my year of trash in a trash jar. Um, and it's super awesome. At the end of the year, I get to take it out and I get to see all the weird stuff that I've created. And that helps me kind of be like, all right, Kate, like, okay, broken surfboard leash. Like, are there any like, places where I can recycle this surfboard leash or like are there recycled plastic surfboard leashes you know then I can kind of be like this is something that like my lifestyle doesn't have a solution for yet so like let me work on that or like oh my gosh so many so many um like plastic festival lanyards because I speak of a lot of festivals like maybe before I say yes I say hey what are your tickets like what is your you know is there or have you thought about you know that's the point that's where we can really make change is by asking questions and pushing these festivals or companies or whoever to like rethink their packaging or their materials or these things that people probably they probably know that they need to do better but like until we start pushing them and asking them and being like hey you should and me I'm Plastic Free Mermaid I'll promote you if you do like that's where my, I can like leverage my following it's I'm I'm like if you do do this right I'll work with you if you don't I'm sorry come back to me when you can I love that it's so <laughs> rad when they come back and they're like we fixed our packaging I'm like oh all right Let's do it. <laughs> it's cool because you're leading by example and you're doing these retreats and you're teaching people you're creating these little followers of the plastic free mermaid lifestyle and let's tell us about these mermaid retreats by the way <laughs> oh they're so magical um yeah I I have been, uh, I basically, I travel, like I, as I mentioned, I'm a mermaid, so I, I free dive and I love to swim with like whales and whale sharks and dolphins. So cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like sail around tropical islands and just be at one with nature and like live at sea. Um, and so a lot of people were like, we want to come. <laughs> so I've created these mermaid retreats where people can join me on a magical ocean adventure. I take probably like eight to 10 people 
and um, those various locations. And uh, yeah, we just have epic ocean adventures where we swim with ocean creatures or go sailing and do, I'm a yoga instructor. So we do yoga every day and we meditate and we work through the chakras and like ground ourselves and become these like empowered ocean warriors or eco warriors or however you feel like, you know, connecting to the goddess within. It's really important to connect to our spirit and to find like our purpose and our path and our calling and our passion. Um, I teach plastic free. The entire retreat is plastic free. We make all the food. Um, we make shampoo, conditioner, sunscreen, all of that. Um, um, I teach environmental activism on these retreats of so how to like create um, a campaign, how to build organized community. Um, everything. The, everything. The whole, the whole everything you can think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just super important to, for me to bring the magic back, you know, like help people connect to the magic of, the, of nature, of the ocean, like that wonder and awe, because that's where, that's where this energy comes from. You know, it's like, that's where we can like, refill our cup to be able to be like all right i can take on the, the government that isn't really that's denying climate you know like i i can take on the plastic pollution i can take on all this like ubiquitous plastic packaging because i know the magic of staring into a whale's eye oh the magic of staring <laughs> into a whale's eye wow so epic <laughs> I love the idea of the audit thing. I just looked on GoDaddy and I looked up garbageaudit.com and it's available right there. If anyone's thinking about it, that's a sweet domain name. Yeah. So, so Kate, you're, in, you're, you're, you're pioneering, you're doing your thing. This is something we really like to ask anybody that's achieving great things and making moves like yourself and, and living the dream. And it's going back into time before your plastic free mermaid capade, before this whole thing, like, you know, baby Kate, maybe right before you got into, right after high school, right before college or whatever, if you could have went back in time and said maybe one, two or three things that would have changed everything for you, could have saved you a ton of time, could have saved you a ton of money, headache, heartache, any of those things, what do you think would be those three biggest life changes that you would tell yourself? Hmm. Wow, it's so interesting because I... I I love this. This is this is a bit of a challenge for me because I'm I've accepted so much that this whole journey has been so beautiful and organic and perfect, and that all of the struggles and all of the um, obstacles and trauma and all of this has been like so essential to this natural on on this natural journey that I've lived. This really organic evolution of my path and and finding my purpose and my calling, um, and then like wavering and coming back to my alignment. Um, so, so it's tough because it's like yeah. you know, our past makes us who we are today. And it's like, I wouldn't give up anything, but it's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Grateful. There's a few decisions <laughs> that, you know, I didn't have to do, you know, like, but think about it. If you could have yeah. went back, it's almost like talking to the new generation of people that are right getting into that. What would you say to those people? You know, mm. what are yeah, some I like that. I like that question. I like that question better. I think, um, I mean, when I think about the things that really did serve me, it's my yoga practice. Like I practice yoga every day. And when I, when I, I mean, there's a few things, like I have kind of this like recipe that brings me back to like into alignment. Like if I'm kind of like wavering and I'm like, oh, I don't feel good about this. Or like I feel lost or things aren't flowing. Like I know the things that bring me back, you know, like yoga, going for a surf or going for a dive in the water, like jumping in the ocean, going on a long walk in nature, like eating healthy foods, like maybe doing like a water fast for like a day or something to flush the system. So it's like knowing your recipe and really honoring it. Like how do you come back to yourself where you're like, okay, 
everything else might be chaos, but at least like I'm taking care of myself. And so like, I'm a clear channel. So like whatever wisdom it's coming through. Cause like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm literally a channel for this stuff. Like I just like receive the guidance and I do it. And I just like, ah, I'm so happy and cheerful because I'm like, wow, like the world is worth saving. Like let's let, you know, I just take care of my body and I take care of myself um, through yoga and swimming and, you know, all these things that I know are my recipe. And then I'm able to have the energy to continue to carry out this work. Um, so advice, yeah, definitely do yoga, <laughs> have a spiritual practice, whether that's mm. yoga or meditation or just sitting in nature, um, like quiet time so that you can actually like shut the mind off and just release to spirit. Um, so important and, and having a relationship with nature is, is like a, probably a second one, but like that one's so important for us because we're so very disconnected. Like even right now, yeah, these walls are made of wood, you know, but, and this, this light is probably like natural light, but we're so boxed in. Um, so stepping out and breathing the fresh air and feeling the sunshine and feeling water on your skin, submersing yourself in water is so important. So having a spiritual practice, having a nature practice, um, <laughs> the third one is uh, avoid plastic <laughs> this may be quick plastics yeah um i guess maybe like community is coming up for me like having um like seeking out like-minded people so that you uh feel support um and if you if you don't if you don't if you can't think of who those people might be creating it um, and we're so fortunate. I, I know you mentioned this like to have at the beginning to have technology like we're so lucky to have the ability to connect with like minded people and have these conversations and learn and grow. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe I, I want to say community, but I also want to say just be open, like don't be so rigidly attached to any one thing, you know, just be open to change and, and evolution as, as the world changes and as what society and humanity needs. Like, yeah, plastics, but also climate and also spirituality and like eco trauma, you know, like I'm, I'm flexible and I'm malleable and I am like allow myself to, to flow where, where my energy is needed. So I think that's what I would tell people for myself, my younger self is just to, to stay open and to stay flexible. Powerful. Achieving a state of flow. That, I feel yes. like that's got to be on everyone's bucket list that they do once and they do forever. Uh, mm. Once you're in flow, everything feels so good. You know, time and, knowing, and knowing how to bring yourself back to flow. Like being in flow is like, ah, <laughs> but it's like when you're out of flow, it's like, oh my God, I'm out you know, what do I do? So having those things, like I have five things that always bring me back. And I know that even if, if I can't do all five, it's fine. If I do one, I'm closer. So like knowing those things and then actually doing them to bring you back to flow. So it took important. you a while to get it though. You know, it took you a lot yeah. of years to figure it out. And I mean, it's a journey and everyone goes to that journey. Have you gone through a point in your life that was real dark that, that you hit rock bottom? Cause typically what I see is people that are able to stand up and preach something with such power and velocity as you're doing, they went through some serious shit that has, you know, mentally or just spiritually that really dogged them. Is there anything you, you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, everybody goes through their own versions of trauma and um, I don't think anyone's is, is I mean, 
I, I want to be sensitive in, in talking about trauma because I feel like people's darkness is, is dark regardless of how deep it is in comparison to other people's darkness. Um, and all of that is like, is really valid. And, and um, there are so many ways to, to, to be healed and to reach out and find support for that. Um, I personally, I, my mom died when I was 19 in a car accident. It was really sudden. Um, and it really rocked me. I'm an only child and she was an incredible woman. She fought for women's rights. She was super incredible, high achieving businesswoman, really involved in community. We always did service trips and volunteered in soup kitchens constantly. Uh, and she was really fun. She was an amazing lady and, and like amazing mom and role model. Um, uh, so for her to just be gone, uh, that must've been just, that must've flipped you upside down. Absolutely. I, I was a business economics major initially in college and I switched to a philosophy major because I just was like, what are we doing here? What is this? Like if this source of unconditional love and guidance just was away and gone, it was like this incredible void. And I had so many questions and, and studying philosophy mainly gave me more questions. <laughs> to yeah. me many answers. The rabbit hole. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was really beautiful to, to exercise and and you know I was really interested in ethics and I was really interested in environmental ethics and I found a lot of philosophers that really made me think about like what is our purpose on the planet why are we here what are we doing what do we need what you know what can we do for each other what matters what doesn't matter you know how should we live in relation to other people other beings other other creatures um small and large and like what what you know, what is living with integrity? What does all this mean? Um, you know, and I think losing my mom at that young age uh, really made me question and, and try and understand my purpose on this planet. You know, I no longer had this like incredible woman to love and, and try to make proud. So like, what, what was I going to do? Right. Um, and I, and I felt incredible healing from the ocean. You know, like I'd lost this source. I felt this huge void in me and it felt um, really healed by floating in the ocean and, and experiencing this like really magical, vast, incredible ocean, this expansive, powerful, raging, calm sea, you know, that had so many faces um, and surfing, like developing such respect for the force of the ocean. Um, right. So, so the ocean really helped fill that void. And, um, so almost when you're, when you're surfing, you almost feel like you're, you're right, almost kind of right back with her or those feelings. Cause you're, you're right back into the, into the sift. Yeah. I think it, it's not so much that I feel like I'm back with her, but I feel like I'm, I'm with mother earth, you know, like I feel like I'm connected to mama C. Mama you know, C. Yeah. Like it's like a whole different, it's a, it's a, you know, I, I definitely took it personally when I learned that plastics were threatening the oceans because I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, I don't want to lose this as well. You know, like I'm going to fight for this because I can and it's important. And like we rely on the health of our planet to survive. Like where is the disconnect? It's so crazy to me. Um, so, yeah, I think that was extremely traumatic and really hard. And it took me a long time to really heal and understand and, and accept. Um, and, um, and I think also to, to not feel like a victim um, and to step into my power and say, wow, I actually am so privileged. Oh my God, so privileged to have had this incredible woman, this source of love and inspiration for 19 years and to be raised, you know, like 
white and in the US with so much opportunity, like I'm not gonna waste that. Like I would be crazy to just like wallow or feel bad for myself. No way. Like I, I'm gonna fight for the the planet that is is like being pillaged you know like this is injustice on so many levels and i've experienced loss already and i don't want to lose this and i also you know i'm strong because of that like it built character and i i'm you know i can stand up for this and i and i can um travel the world and and you know it it, it as hard as it was losing my mother it also freed me in in these ways and this is my silver lining right like i would never choose this but um i can see how um, how her death and how that trauma and how that journey and that sort of like rite of passage of coming into my own self and stepping into my power has been so essential for my journey as an thank, eco warrior. Thank you so much for sharing eco warrior. That explains a lot about you. Just like mm-hmm. how passionate you are. I mean, this is, that's another level. I mean, the, the yeah. way you see the world is just very different than a lot of people. And it makes sense on how you can be so passionate every single day and show up every single day at such a high frequency because you're completely in tune with what you're doing and you mm. know what you're doing and it brings you happiness and you're in your element. So I really appreciate that. I, I almost wish we, we brought that up in the beginning because that gives context to the whole everything you say. Mm-hmm. So, so, Kay, I know you're busy. I know you're out in Australia living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> right. I wish I would be there. Oh, my gosh, the scuba diving on the reel. But this is kind of a flagship question I ask anyone that is, you know, building a business, being an entrepreneur, because you are an entrepreneur. You're living this yeah. lifestyle, and, and you've started this business seminars, all these things. What would you say to that person right now that is maybe – working a nine to five that they potentially hate, they feel disvalued, they're not stoked, they just don't feel like they're living their passion uh, and they want to start something new, but something's holding them back. Or that person that's crushing it, making all the monies, they got the Equinox Gym membership, they're, you know, they're feeling good, they're, their lifestyle is great, they got the great house, the dog, but they just don't feel fulfilled. And there's a mm-hmm. part of them that wants to start a business, wants to go Plastic Free Mermaid on y'all, wants to start a seminar, but they're just terrified to start the what ifs Mm -hmm. going off on your own. What would you say to that person that's kind of right on the cusp of making that decision? Um, It's funny. Those are the people that usually come on my mermaid retreats (laughs) (laughs) because it's, it's, you know, it's hard to know what our passion is or what our purpose is if we don't pause and take the time to develop that connection to self and inside and to spirit. Um, And sometimes it takes like a really magical um, experience with nature for us to clear away the bullshit and clear away everything, the to-do list and all of that. And just like really settle into our self, um, our true self, our true like higher self, not just like the self that's going to the gym and the self that's like showing up to the office or like crushing it. It's the self, the higher self, the spirit that chose this physical vessel. Um, so what would I tell people? Yeah, go on a mermaid retreat if you <laughs> yeah. would love to have you. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I think it's so important to keep it simple. And for me, you know, instead of telling someone to, you know, even go on a mermaid retreat or, or like um, develop 
a business plan or you know journal and try and find something that like you feel passionate about or just like what if you could spend if you see yourself you know there's a meditation that I do like what where visualize yourself in 10 years your ideal life if all your dreams come true like what it what what are you doing like how do you spend an average day in your dream life and like how did you get there like what are your accomplishments to get you there and then you back up in like five years and three years and one year um so there's like so many things we can do exercises but to keep it really simple what came to me was to develop a relationship with your breath. So I'm a yogi. Uh, yoga is all about the breath. Pranayama. Prana is life force energy. It's believed that our soul enters our body when we you know, exit the womb and take our first breath on our own. And the soul leaves the body when we exhale our last breath. And I think what all of us really are seeking um, and what the world needs is for us to have a deeper relationship with our true self, our spirit. And so taking deeper breaths, pausing, closing our eyes, taking five deep breaths, trying to clear the mind during those five deep breaths. It's a challenge. Five seems like so little, so few. It's a handful. But it's, it's a challenge. And, and connecting and clearing the mind of any thoughts for five deep breaths. If we can do that every day, we're developing this relationship with our breath, with our spirit. We're slowing down, we're pausing, we're feeling inward, we're developing a relationship with ourself, with our spirit. You know, we're not just like going, 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 which is like so easy to be caught up in this productivity, this race. So I think keeping it super simple, taking five deep breaths a day, develop a relationship with breath. Love that. Fantastic. So Kate, the mermaid herself, I appreciate your time so much. How can everybody that's listening to this podcast be able to reach out to you and continue following your journey? Yes, thank you. Um, so I'm on Instagram as Plastic Free Mermaid. I am on YouTube as Plastic Free Mermaid, Facebook Plastic Free Mermaid. My website is iquitplastics.com. So you can find all my mermaid retreats there. Um, my blog is there all the services. And then I've just launched a online uh, course and certification program called We Quit Plastics because it's not just me anymore. It's everybody. It's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is a course that you can um, participate in that's going to help you just phase plastics out of your life and you'll get a little cert certification. And it's in beta test mode right now. So I'm actually just taking 10 people for this first month so you can give me feedback. And it's going to be a really intimate experience if you do want to connect on that. So yeah, wequitplastics.com. And yeah, I just really look forward to connecting with others. And if you have solutions or um, plastic alternatives, definitely hit me up. Super curious to learn about all the solutions. Kate, you're an angel. Thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.